Thriving and Thriving is the career development podcast inspiring you to make some bold changes. It's time to sweat the big stuff. Each week, we speak to industry figureheads at different stages of their journey to understand what it takes to successfully manage your career. Striving and thriving. 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 I'm your host, Laura Johnson, and today I'm lucky enough to have Hope Dawson as my wonderful co-host. Today we're thrilled to be joined by Sarah Blackmore, who's a people and culture leader and is also on a mission to put the human back into human resources. Okay, to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about your current role and your background? Well, that makes it interesting because I'm tomorrow transitioning out of my current role and into a new one. <laughs> so I'll tell you about my current role as of today. Yeah, and um, then we can talk about the new my role. My current role is VP of People for a company called EventBase, which is a an app company that makes apps specifically for large corporate and public facing events. And my role is everything and anything people related. So that can, like, that's recently included organizational design, managing benefits, employee engagement work, program development, training, recruitment, all of those wonderful things that come with people jobs. People jobs. Can you talk about your new role? Are you allowed to? Yeah, I can. I absolutely can. It's already out in the public domain, but I am moving on from event base and I'm moving to an organization called Ripen, spelled two eyes. Um, and Ripen is an education platform and their mission is to, to eliminate underemployment in graduates. So they pair graduates or near graduates with businesses to be able to gain practical skills and contribute to businesses projects for them to gain experience in the, the companies to get some projects done. I love and that. I will be joining them as the head of people and culture. I think that's such important. There was a big thread the other day, I meant to send it to you on LinkedIn about kind of all these um, entry-level jobs coming up with being like, but must have experience in this, this, this uh, and this. And you're like, well, how is it an entry-level job then? Like, how does that yeah, work? It's it's insane. I, have, I personally have a huge bone to pick with post-secondary education so this is a great place to kind of for me to kind of start maybe some of that bone picking as well as getting to do the people work from the internal side but yeah like school's great if you know a what you want to go do most of them don't and until you actually start doing things like practical project work you are gaining a ton of really tangible skills to go into the workforce once you've graduated hence the but you need five years as an entry level whatever and it doesn't it doesn't work. It doesn't. Okay, without going down that rabbit hole, we're going to go back to you and your career. Yeah. So before, <laughs> before event-based, kind of what have you done? How, how did you get into HR? What have you kind of done in that space? Yeah, I, like, I left, I left school not knowing. I was one of those people that I really just didn't know what I wanted to do. I took some courses. I didn't find anything that I loved. And I started temping and temping for me was like the gateway into being able to try different environments and try different kinds of work and see what stuck and the thing at that point that stuck with me was event management so I worked in hotels and I planned weddings and conferences and to me it was like this big puzzle that was handed to me and someone said oh my god fix it and I was able to like juggle things around and work with the different departments and like ultimately pull off what seemed like the unpulloffable. And I absolutely loved it. And honestly, I actually think it's the same mindset 
that made me happy in events that makes me really, really happy in people because it's so often something very similar where someone goes, oh my God, I don't know what to do. And you're the person that sits and solves it and builds something or identifies a gap and fills that gap. So I left events, the hours were just a little bit too much for me every Saturday and Sunday in the summer was at a point too many. And I transitioned into HR work. I started, I cut my teeth in recruitment in an agency environment, which I, again, I really liked. But the thing with agency recruitment is if you're good at it, and I was good at it, you never hear from them again because you've done such a good job. You've placed that candidate and off they go and they begin their career. And I wanted to get a little bit more out of it than that. I wanted to be part of talent being able to grow in their roles and see them progress and help them with their performance and allowing them to then really flourish in the workforce, which is when I transitioned into internal HR work, worked for a big four accounting consulting company, not the right culture fit and found tech in 2014. And then that was really honestly where my career began properly in the way that it is now, which meant that I was in my thirties when I finally found something that I really liked doing with people I really liked doing it with, which kind of, you know, fast forward to today in 2021, I've stayed in tech and stayed in those leadership roles within the people organization to, to forward other people's development and growth. I love that. I guess just thinking about your current role and I guess like I'm trying not to be totally biased because obviously I know um, about your current role um, as you're the only person in your kind of department what does an average working day look like oh my current role so weird because we work at I work for an events company we're in the middle of a pandemic there are no events so our business has been completely turned on its head which has been incredibly difficult but also incredibly interesting for me people person's perspective because it's given me opportunity to do things that maybe I would never have been able to do in my in my experience so a typical day can look honestly like anything I start my day with a leadership scrum it's really important that we maintain connection as a leadership team especially being remote so we scrum every morning at 9am sort of setting priorities for the day removing any hurdles catching up like it's important to maintain that other like the intimate side of it like the friendship side of it and then it really does depend on what I'm working on. So at the moment I'm working on, I've had some active recruitment roles. So I'm, you know, screening candidates. I'm working with, recently we've been looking at revamping our, as we're hiring, revamping our career site. So making sure that I'm gathering assets for things like that, talking about some of the new programs that we've built to support our remote workforce and making sure that that's on the career site and that that's accurately reflected as to what it looks like to work at an event, uh, event base. I deal with a lot of coaching with managers. One of my big passions is middle management and middle management coaching because they typically are the guys that are left a little bit behind. So I spend a lot of my day with those. I also coach up a lot. Like I spend a lot of time with our leadership team and making sure that we're thinking more broadly about messaging and intention and alignment of priorities, um, especially as we've gone through such upheaval with the pandemic in our industry. And then I also actually, for a people person, I spend quite a lot of time in the financials. It's really important that I have a really good grip on how we're doing as a company, how we, you know, how much revenue is coming in, making sure that we can qualify the way in which we need to continue to operate the business. So I, I think that's maybe a little bit unusual for a head of people to be that involved in the, the financials and the, the operational strategic side of the business. But that's one of the reasons I've really enjoyed my job. It's actually something we were talking about with someone the other day. I think a big area that 
HR from an outside point of view, but then marketing from a marketing person point of view falls down as understanding the numbers and actually how it all kind of comes together. And I think we could all do with a slightly better financial understanding or kind of just be a bit more vocal about our financial understanding. So the default position is, oh, that person doesn't know about the numbers because of, you know, because they work in marketing or because they work in HR. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really important. And actually, one of the things that we put into practice when I joined Eventbase three years ago, and I've continued to implement is complete transparency when it comes to financials. Everybody should know the numbers. Everybody in every organization should know how you generate revenue, where that revenue comes from, and how that revenue is funneled into the business to achieve X, Y, and Z goal. Because without that information, you can't you can't really do your job properly. You need to be able to build empathy for all of those functions as a really good employee to truly understand what it is you're out there to achieve. And so financial transparency from a company perspective is a really important value to me because I think everybody should be able to see how we're doing and make their own decisions based on that information rather than build their own narrative as to how they think it's doing. Yeah, that's a really good point. I guess going back to the fact that it's just you and your role, how do you stay on top of kind of new trends, best practices, what's happening in the world? Like, how do you stay on top of everything as well as fighting all the fires you are on a daily basis? Yeah, sometimes the fires take precedent. I think what's been interesting about my industry as in sort of the people and human resources industry of late is that we have really had to think in a very different way than we've had to in the past. With the rise in in remote the tendency for organizations to now rethink how they're going to either transfer their workforce to an entirely remote structure or build a hybrid structure or bring them back into the office has made us do things we would never have done before. So staying on top of trends in that regard has actually been quite easy because no one knows what the heck we're doing in the best way possible. Like from my perspective, the people world, the HR world needed a transformation so desperately. There was like us kind of in tech doing things that we weird to everybody else in the corporate world, like unlimited vacation. And of course you can work from home. And there was a real resistance to a lot of that creativity in the people world. So now that's become a little bit more mainstream. Sort of my cohort of peers communicate very frequently on Slack. We, again, approach our work with real transparency. Like if we're doing something and someone wants to know how we do it, we'll share all those materials. Like we'll tell them what failed, what steps we took to then bring it back, provide any advice. And so that's honestly where I got a lot of my, it's where I get a lot of my inspiration from in terms of staying on top of trends. Because by the time they're on the internet, they're not really, they're, they're not really trends. Already old news. Yeah, kinda. Or they've been, they've been big companyified. <laughs> so you'll see something, and it will have been delivered by like a giant company because they have all of the money in the world to be able to do X, Y, and Z thing. And then that becomes the new standard, which then is really difficult to achieve as a small guy. So. I was having that chat with Dean the other day about diversity and inclusion. I went to a talk and I think it's amazing that you hear what these companies are doing around an inclusion perspective and what they're doing, but it's always big companies you appear to hear from, which is great if you've got a million dollar budget and 26 people to deliver it, like sure. But like, what about the majority of businesses, which are probably a couple of hundred people and they've maybe got one or two people that are kind of really spearheading that? Like, what do you do when it's that? And I think you're right. Like a lot of the things you hear about sometimes you read and it's almost like, well, that's completely unachievable for me. So you kind of swipe it to the side and you're like, ah, I'm going to deal with that after my other priority list of 96 things. It's a real thing. One of the things I found really interesting at the beginning of the pandemic was going into LinkedIn and seeing big organizations like big financial institutions, very large e-commerce platforms, 
telling the world that they're so, so proud that they're going to transition their workforce to work from home and they're going to give them a thousand dollars a year to like equip their space. And we heard so many stories on those professional so professional social media sites around how the big guys were so generous and doing, oh my God, isn't that wonderful? And I heard no stories about how the other guys are doing. Like, how are those 200 people at 200 people companies? I I can't give everybody a thousand dollars. I have I've, I've, my revenue is completely tanked. Like, but I'm still solving the same problems with my workforce feeling engaged and being equipped and managing their own health and safety suddenly from their own their own houses. And we don't hear enough real deal stories from the folks out there on the front lines because these big these big organizations kind of dominate some of those headlines from a people perspective. And that becomes hard because then that becomes the new normal and I can't do that. So it's kind of a bit of a catch 22 sometimes. It's really difficult. Completely. So it's really important to obviously build a network and a community around you that kind of links you to like-minded or, you know, other businesses that are at that same level. And that's probably even more important than looking at that trend on the, on the internet. Because like you said, when it gets on the internet, it's already... It's, already, it's not always yeah. adaptable to every business and to every person, is it? So I kind of think that links to our kind of kind of our mentorships and how, you know, people that need that help to lean to a mentor that's been through exactly what you've been through so they can give you that that advice. So have you, did you have a mentor through this whole global pandemic, sorry, pandemic? Or were you a mentor to anybody? So I didn't I, I currently don't have a have a mentor however I actively mentor yeah. others so I'm I'm incredibly lucky and I definitely know my privilege in being able to have this at my fingertips I'm very well connected in our local technology scene Vancouver is a really small town it's a really small city everybody kind of knows each other from a people perspective it's it's not a big it's not a it's not a big city in comparison to a Toronto so that in itself has really helped me be able to gain inspiration from my peers rather than be mentored, which has kind of filled that need for me in, in a good way, but also be able to take that and then help, help other people. So I have a couple of people that I specifically mentor and we have regular sessions or they can flag stuff up to me like, hey, what do you think about this? And I think it's really important. And we're also then bettering our own practice. The more we can give back, the more I can personally give back into my people peer network, the better we all are. We raise each other up and we raise that bar of what's possible. And it's a difficult, oftentimes, if you're the only person, specifically in an HR organization, because it's a smaller organization, they don't know what HR is capable of. They're often first time or second time founders, and maybe they've you know, not grown a company to maybe this is the biggest company they've ever run. And every time they hire, it's now again, the biggest company they've ever run, and they don't really know. And so you spend a lot of your time, I know I spent a lot of my time in my career, managing up in terms of what is possible. So when you have a, a peer network, and a mentor network that is maybe fought some of those fights before is really had success in building the things that you as a an intermediate want to build, how do you sell that? How do you write a business case for that? How do you prove its value? And that's where uh, my peer network specifically has been amazing and in turn I've really been able to kind of lean in with the mentorship side and again like that raises our collective bar to just be better I love the whole raising the collective bar we only get better together it's so competitive out there and it doesn't need to be like 
just because they're doing it doesn't mean we can't we can do it too and we can learn from how they trailblaze before us and then that becomes the new norm and I'm again I feel so privileged that I work in perhaps a maybe a more creative environment being tech that's maybe a little bit more open to taking risks and iteration than a than a traditional industry where that becomes really tough and those old school industries tend to go into the secret side of where like they couldn't possibly share their special sauce on how they did x whereas my my norm is like everything like yeah sure you want a copy of that policy 100 like here you go like don't plagiarize it entirely but like here's your inspiration go for it and that really does then raise the collective bar i think so and i think what's the old saying it's just like you become the value of the five people around you or whatever so it's like if you surround yourself with good stuff like you get better and it's like if you're sharing documents somebody else might look at it and be like hey actually I did one and I did this bit differently and then that kind of ups the game of what you've done too right because you're just sharing yeah. that kind of that, yeah and that collective knowledge and I think it's especially important when they, you are in those kind of single person teams I think we were saying it before like it can be really tough when you've got this huge list of things to do, to do like not to just go okay that's done next that's done next like how are you getting like better when you're doing that and you don't end up just treating as a tick box exercise how are you improving in that day-to-day and I think things like just being sharing with other people in the same position is is incredibly important yeah crowdsourcing in that regard can be super super powerful totally I guess going back to kind of your mentees that you have, have you got any advice for anybody that's kind of going into a mentor session as to the best ways to prepare or how they can best get the most out of that session? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a strong believer in that nothing should feel forced. Like a mentor-mentee relationship can feel in the organization of it a pretty formal process. However, if you really want to get the best out of your mentor-mentee relationship, it has to become a conversation um, and it has to become a, a real relationship and not just transactional. So my perspective, if, as I'm coaching mentees, is to just have a clear idea of how you want to learn, like understand how you absorb information. So in turn, you can communicate that to your mentor. So however they're helping coach you feels appropriate to you. Everyone's different. They learn differently. They absorb information differently. They converse differently. And and finding that comfort, I think, with a mentor is really important. And I think also understanding somewhat what you want to learn is really helpful, especially if it's a very broad subject in terms of what you're being mentored on. It's good to be able to at least try and take that top of funnel down a little bit because otherwise you might not get as much out of it as you potentially could but then in turn also just being really open for you know those like when you like those conversations that like branch off be open to the branching off because actually sometimes that can be where the real gold is it goes in a direction that you didn't expect and it lights you up for some reason and then that and if you need to have that fluidity to be able to follow that path and, and explore and see where it goes. I think this links a bit to, we've had some pretty good answers, but can you give us the best advice, career advice that you have received that really resonated with you? Yeah, I absolutely can. So one of the best managers I ever had was when I was in that very corporate environment. And uh, he used to get really frustrated with me because we'd have these like official performance conversations, like every, every year we do our performance reviews. And every year we would have to goal set as, as a human being to say like, oh, this is where I want to go. This is how I want to grow in the organization. And I never truly had an answer to that, which used to frustrate the hell out of me because it's like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to help you progress unless you kind of know where you want to go. And it was one of those things where 
up until that point, not knowing where I wanted to go was mainly because I just didn't know what I was capable of and what could potentially be possible for me. And he kind of kept digging away at stuff and, you know, digging and asking why and asking why and the idea of five whys, and it's very, very effective. Um, And I got down to the point that all I wanted to do is that the decisions at the company that were being made were ridiculous. And I just wanted to be in the room and be able to give a point of view to why they were ridiculous. Because it was so disconnected. It was a giant organization and it's no, it's no disrespect to them, but like, yeah, it, it was just a little bit out of touch with actual reality. And that really, that piece of advice to just keep digging and keep exploring and keep playing around with those ideas was ultimately the best piece of career advice I could ever hope for, because that was what took me into tech. Knowing that I couldn't just be a tiny cog in a big machine the only job I think my parents have ever known the company I've worked for, so innately the only one they've ever really been proud of, wasn't for me. Like I didn't, it didn't light me up. It made me question myself and it it made my day-to-day just not fun. And it led me to tech where I could be, I could be, I could be in the room. Like I had the ability to be able to help influence those decisions. And even if I didn't get what I wanted, I was able to provide an input and then like carry through and like whatever was decided I knew how that decision was made so I could then take it on board and go and do it and deliver it and I don't know if I ever would have gotten to do that had I have not had that manager and had not had him give me that piece of advice yeah so good so good that it's still it's still with you as well it just shows that it's made a huge difference because it's like you've just now applied it to every role and every business and yeah yeah and to be honest with you it's actually just gotten it's just gotten louder (laughs) (laughs) once I found out that I could be in the room and I had that realization of oh my gosh I've actually done the thing that I set out to do and I'm now able to help make and craft this business and make these decisions that's just got it's just gotten louder as I've grown with responsibility means the pressure is more like I have to deliver on a heck of a lot more than when I was given that piece of career advice but it meant that it was right because it's just blossomed I hate that word like it's bloomed over time like it's become (laughs) yeah it's become actually not just even my role anymore it's actually become how I kind of approach the world in general I was about to say that I feel like that's just how you approach life it is it it is now I I don't think 2012 Sarah would have agreed with you at all all right just looking at time Shall we, I think we'll do two more questions. Hope you've got a great question that we've been using today and then um, I'll wrap up at the end. Okay. So um, looking at your LinkedIn profile, your resume, through your experience that you spoke with us today, is there anything that isn't on there, like a life experience that has made a massive kind of effect with your career to date? 100% yes. Yeah. 100%. It's funny, yes. everybody is saying that. It's great. I feel like it like opens up um, this whole. I took a job I should never have taken. I got so caught up in being wooed and wowed by this organization that I, in hindsight, because hindsight's 2020, deliberately ignored red flags because I just didn't want to see them. And it was the worst job. I've ever had like ever 
And I don't think I'll ever experience such a toxic environment, probably ever again in my working life, mainly because the thing that it taught me is what I really, how I really don't thrive in, in certain environments. And now I'm incredibly specific, not just about the work that I'll get to do, but the people I get to do it with and those people that I will have those interactions with on a daily basis. I have to really like them. I can't work for people that I can't ask what they had for breakfast. Like I just, I need that human to human connection that is a real one and not just at face value to truly thrive in my, in my role. Because when I have that, I can be my whole self. And when I'm my whole self, I do my best work. I think it just, this role that I took made that so abundantly clear, really hard lesson to learn. Oh God, it hurt, but I did learn it and I have applied it ever since. And I've never been back in that situation where I haven't had that thing. And it's been interesting going through the job hunt now because it's like, yeah, it's been, it's actually been, and it was the deciding factor between two offers. And I remembered the lesson. (laughs) It's such a valuable lesson though. And I think it's something that it's one of those, you have to experience it for yourself as well. Like you hear someone say, and you're like, oh, it makes sense. But until you've kind of had that lived experience, you don't realize quite like how much those things disagree with you and like how much you end up having this like gut reaction almost to those situations you're like oh my god no it's like ptsd when you go back and you're like oh no not that one like absolutely and it's so easy to be wowed and to be wooed and to ignore those red flags because you want it to work and you will completely ignore those facts those red flags that are being presented to you that will show you that it will not work. Like not everybody is gonna fit in every company. It's just, it's a fact. However, as a as a candidate, I think we always want, we want to be the first choice. Like we're conditioned to want to be the first choice and we don't nearly spend enough time interviewing potential employers as they do interviewing us. And that's a real pitfall early on in careers because you desperately want that experience and you want to be wanted because it's human nature. And we as, as human beings need to be a lot more picky about who we choose to spend our nine, 10 hour days with and how they can contribute to our own growth as much as we're contributing to their bottom line. And I think that's like nail on the head on that. I was having a conversation a while ago with someone that's like, it's gotta be a two-way value exchange. But I think unfortunately you don't work that out until like you're a bit uh, later on in your career. Like I say, the first few jobs you're like, thank God I got a job. Somebody tells me I'm employable. And then it's not until you probably get a certain way and you're like, actually, like, how am I going to grow in this role? What does this role do for me? And like work out that it really is this two way exchange. And I think once you get to that and you can have that really healthy place, then you do thrive at work because you can kind of, you know, you see it from everybody's angle, but you're obviously in that healthy environment where they feel the same way as well. They're like, how can we help this person as much as how can they help? Absolutely. And for me, it's that human to human connection. And that's not going to be the same for everybody else. It might be that they have you know, a real opportunity to be creative and like they're interviewing roles where they have to follow a process because that's the way they've always done it. That's never going to fit both ways. They're not going to thrive. So it's also finding out your own, what is the thing for you, because that's going to be entirely unique to you. Totally. Okay. Just interest of time. Last question. I'll let you go. Who else from a HR and TA perspective would you like to hear more from and that we should interview? I think... 
I personally think that the stories that are really interesting are those folks that join from an HR perspective in a fairly early growth company that then turned into something completely different and them holding on for dear life. Like how on earth, I can only imagine the stories that would come out of like a slack from like one of their original HR people and like how that turned into like a, a, a complete unicorn of a company. Same with like a Shopify. Like I want from a people perspective, because it's so shrouded in confidentiality so frequently, you'll hear CEOs talk about how they grew their rocket company. And that's cool. They definitely did grow that rocket ship company. But you know who else grew it? Your HR person. They hired your people, they fired your people, they wrote your policies, they managed your internal comms, they made sure people were paid fairly, that they had dental. I want to hear their stories because that's got to be wild. Yeah, yeah I love that. I think. Okay, we're going to have to start hunting down some of those people. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, then. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. And I'll speak to you soon. Have fun. Okay, bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Want to know more about how to get ahead? Be sure to check out strivein.io for career development tools and mentorships to guide you through.